Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Genesis chapter 37. We were, uh, started two weeks ago getting into the life of Joseph, and we saw the many comparisons, just a few really. Um, I think we hit around 20 um, when there's really... I, I did lots of studies on, on Joseph and his comparison to Christ, and one guy that I was reading some of his commentary on, had like 60 comparisons. Nobody in the Old Testament is more of a Christ figure than Joseph. And so, so we went through and we had a good time looking at all those, how Joseph compared to Jesus and how their lives paralleled in many ways. Um, but, but then we're going to get into some practical things uh, to take in our own lives, maybe over the next couple of weeks from the life of Joseph. And, and because there's so many things for us to learn, so many good principles and he, was a, he truly was a man of principle. And, and as, you, as you're turning to Genesis chapter 37, I just had to read this to you. One day, a, a young man, boy ran crying to his mother, rubbing his backside. His mother said, Bobby, why are you crying? Because Daddy hit his thumb with the hammer. Well, that's nothing to cry over, she said. She, you should have been laughing. And rubbing his behind said, I did laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Let's look at verse 1 of Genesis 37. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. Remember who Bilhah and Zilpah were? They were the um, wives of Jacob, but they were the uh, bond women, all right? They, they, it wasn't Leah or Rachel. It was, these were the bond women, okay? Slave women, if you will, uh, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So his dad seemed to often have Joseph go out and check on the brothers and check on the progress of the work and come give a report about what was going on. So we see that Joseph wasn't out in the field with his brothers very often. Why? Well, let's look at the next verse. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. There's a mistake right there. Can we all just admit that tonight? All right? That's a bad mistake. Because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Well, Jacob's favoritism was the root of the bitterness that existed between uh, he and his brothers. And the text provides two main reasons for their ill feelings towards Joseph. And the first reason was that Joseph <laughs> would bring a bad uh, report to his father telling him what his brothers were doing. So he's a little tattletale. But he's doing it not because he's making that. His dad's telling him to come back and tell him. Joseph uh, told his father about the bad things that happened. One version of the scripture says that he accused his brethren to his father of a most wicked crime. The second reason for the brother's hatred of Joseph was because he was Jacob's favorite son. So Jacob expressed his love and his affection for Joseph by, by giving him this very special garment, which this describes it, the New King James and the King James both call it a coat of many colors. Uh, and this garment placed on uh, Joseph uh, a distinction that was denied his brother's. And this special distinction conferred upon Joseph, what, what it did was 
it completely enraged his brothers and, and caused them to hate him. Um, now, popular imagination sees this coat as a technicolor coat, hence the, the name of the musical. Anybody ever seen the musical? I think Alex was actually in that, wasn't he? Or am I thinking of something else? Where is Alex? Oh, he stays for worship and just leaves. Okay. So, all right. Well. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Okay. Anyway. However, it's really doubtful that, that that garment looked like how we see it in modern day, how we've translated it in modern day. And, and the reason is because of the Hebrew words that are behind it, they're a little bit hard to translate. And so I want to just give you some of the other Bible versions, what they've come up with by trying to translate what they know uh, by these Hebrew words. Uh, the Hebrew words, I'm going to try to pronounce this, is ketanet pasim. Uh, and so it has an unknown meaning, so they do their best. Um, the NRSV says it's a, it was a long robe with sleeves. Uh, the KJV says a coat of many colors. The NIV says a richly ornamented robe. The CJB says a long sleeve robe. The New American uh, says a long tunic. Or the, I don't know, the NJB, the New Jersey Bible? I don't know. A decorated tunic. All right, so these different translations of these two Hebrew words indicate that there is no, uh, you know, there's no real understanding, I guess, no unified understanding anyway, um, of among these scholars, the meaning of this expression. It does seem to lean more towards a long sleeve garment because the word pass means to the palm of the hand, to the palm of the hand. So uh, it's a, either way, if, being that it was a long garment, decorated garment, maybe it had a few colors on it, whatnot, but, but really the key thing is, is that it went long to the ankles and long to the, to the wrist, signifying to everybody else that Joseph don't work like the other guys do. All right, He wears this special garment, and this special garment was one that was reserved for royalty. So we saw how his father saw him while his brothers dressed the way they dressed, working with the, with the, with the animals. All right? So he stood out amongst all the rest of them. Look at verse 4 of Genesis 37. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. You know, oftentimes God blesses uh, and favors us, his children, and it causes us to stand out from the rest. Anybody ever had that experience where God favored you and somebody else noticed that favor on your life? They realized that something special happened to you that you didn't make that happen, but something special happened to you, right? And, but we don't see in Scripture that Joseph asked for this favor. His father willingly gave it to him because of his father's affection for his mother, Rachel, and because he was the son of his old age. Like I said before, he was more grandpa than he was dad. As you experience favorable situations from God in your life, maybe you've had someone respond negatively to that favor. <laughs> yeah, I have. A promotion, especially if it's a promotion, right? Why, why are you getting that raise? I've been here longer than you. Hmm? A gift or a talent, uh, a new car. You got those people out there that have that you know, must-be-nice mentality. Sure wish I could. Nothing good ever happens to me. 
It says they could not speak peaceably to him. Now, in Jewish culture, that's extremely important because in their greeting and in their departing, they have words that they say over one another. Most of the time, it is what? Shalom or shalom, shalom, perfect peace. Or they say something like, peace be unto you, all right? So these guys could not do that because of their hatred for him. They could not speak uh, this kind of greeting to him. Couldn't greet him with peace. Look, verse 5, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Probably shouldn't have told him this. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Uh, let's look at verse 11. And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Jump down to 19. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. Wow. That's not just a dislike. That is a deep, deep hatred. Because here's the thing. They want to kill him. Why do they want to kill him? Because he had a dream? See, these guys knew something about dreams that we all need to remember. They knew dreams came from God. So really, this is in defiance to God. We'll see what becomes of his dreams. Notice two things about Joseph that his brothers hated. He was favored, and he had dreams. <laughs> now, let me ask you something. Can Joseph do anything about either of those things? He's favored. Why? Because his dad favored him. Why didn't they hate his dad? He didn't do it. He was just born. His existence, just his very existence, brought him favor from his dad. And his brothers hated Joseph for it instead of hating their father for favoring him. It's not his fault. How about this? He had dreams. Can you help what you're going to dream? He went to sleep. So that's gospel. Why don't they hate God? Why is Joseph getting all that? I mean, if, if, if really anybody's being treated unfairly here, it's Joseph. He didn't do anything. He was just born and he slept. Everybody does that. But here's the thing. This is proof to me that his brothers were carnal in their thinking because they didn't care enough about their brother to even consider the truth of the matter, to even consider what was really going on. God's favor on your life and that dream that is in your heart will certainly not be embraced by everyone in your life. And I want to encourage you to be careful who you share your dreams with. All right? Let me tell you, this is a safe place to do it. Am I right, my family? This is a safe place to share our dreams with one another and to share what God has put in our hearts and to give testimony about God's favor upon our lives without being afraid to, for somebody jumping down our throats and, and, and envying us and hating us. We embrace that here in this house. We embrace the work of God in our lives because we all understand that's where we all find common ground, that we all so badly, desperately needed His grace. 
and still need His grace and will always need His grace, apparently, because the Scripture says in the ages to come, He's just going to keep showing us the riches of His grace. Amen. And what's grace? It's His favor. Family, friends, co-workers, even other believers will come against you. That's why you're going to have to walk by faith. You've got to walk by faith. Favor and dreams come from God. And they're not predicated upon others' approval or disapproval. God's not even concerned with that. He wants to know, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And that you embrace what He's doing in your life. Amen. Look at verse 12 of, of Genesis 37. Everybody good? Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. I want to park here for just a moment on these words, Here I am. Now you think about Joseph's experience before in going and finding out what his brothers are doing. Think about the the looks he got, the ridicule he got, how they talk down on him all the time. And knowing that he's going to be facing that anyway. He's going to be, his dad is sending him right a sheep among wolves again. And what does Joseph do? Here I am. He didn't say, no, Dad, you know what's going to happen? Those guys hate me. They hate me. Every time I go see them, I mean, it's just, I, I don't want to go. No, he said, here I am. When I I looked over those words, here I am, and I started just studying that phrase, here I am. And guess where that phrase was first mentioned? Can we guess what person said that in the Scripture? We found many first with this person in the book of Genesis. Huh? Do we know who that is? Take a guess. Abraham is the first one that said, here I am. A lot of firsts with him. And it happened in Genesis chapter 22. Now, we don't have to turn there. I just want you to, if you want to mark that for your own study time. But Genesis chapter 22, the the Scripture says that the Lord tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. Take now your son, your only son, and go sacrifice him on the mountain. Well, there I was. Here I am no more. I'm out of here. No, he said, here I am. And that, 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 that was a, it was like it was a, Well, we're going to see a theme in in that phrase, here I am. And that is, I'm paying attention to what you're saying, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. The word literally means, behold me, look at me, see me right here, I'm here. What do you need me to do? I'll do it. What do you want to say to me? I'm listening to you. Here I am. Later on, as he got Isaac up on the mountain and he pulled that knife up, to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord spoke to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And guess what Abraham said? Here I am. Don't kill him. I'm glad you said that. He's put himself in a place of surrender to God no matter what. And that here I am says it all. Here I am, God. What area in your life has the Lord been speaking to you and you've not yet said, here I am? You've turned the music up a little louder, maybe. Turned that TV on. You know, went and distracted yourself with something else. Hearing his voice and just getting quiet and saying, here I am, Lord. Why don't you just say that right now? Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. 
Be that willing one to sit and listen and be ready to do because God is taking you somewhere. Let me tell you something. Wherever God is taking you, there's a reward in it. Wherever, he's trying to take you somewhere to get something to you. All right? Here I am. So it happened, then it also happens that God appears to Jacob in a dream. In Genesis chapter 31, he says, Jacob, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, here I am. God also appeared to Jacob in Genesis chapter 46 in a, in a vision in the night. The scripture says, he said, Jacob, Jacob. What did Jacob say? Here I am. But I want you to notice something. Now I want to go to Genesis chapter 3 for a moment. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 9. Adam and Eve have just sinned. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? What should Adam say? Here I am. But this is what Adam said. I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. Hmm. What happened? What happened, Adam? Put that verse back up there, if you would, Lisa, for just a moment. I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Why? Because I was, because I was naked? Adam, you've been naked the entire time. Why are you afraid now because you're naked? Because he sees his nakedness for the first time. He's not concerned any longer with the knowledge of God. Now he has the knowledge of the flesh. He has the knowledge of good and evil, which governs flesh, which governs earthly things. So that's what he sees. He just sees the earthly thing. He's no longer connected in the spirit, understanding that living in that glory, in the presence of the Lord, there's no shame and nakedness. Totally vulnerable to God. But now he's afraid. And when he hears God's voice and when he's thinking like a man, listen to me, he's thinking like a man, he runs. I mean, think about the, the, the unreasonableness of Adam and Eve. What'd they do? <gasps> as soon as they said, we're naked. Get some leaves. Now, we can sit here today and think, well, that was stupid. But they're living in that moment. And we've done plenty of stupid things in our own rationale. Amen. When we could have chose to walk in the Spirit, we chose to hide. And God spoke. But God is not telling us, and this is not a position for us only. God has put Himself in the position of here I am. Second, uh, over in Samuel you remember Samuel, the young prophet who was living with the priest? His mother, Hannah, had promised him. She dedicated him to the Lord, and he was living in the house of God. And one night, the Lord spoke to Samuel. He heard God's voice for the first time. The Scripture says, in a time when men didn't hear God's voice. And he heard it, and he sat up in bed and said, here I am. That changed Samuel's whole life. He first thought it was the priest talking to him, and finally the priest told him, that's God talking. Next time, just talk to him. And he did. And Samuel became the prophet of prophets. Moses is in the desert. 
in the back of that desert with the, the sheep and he sees that bush burning. Remember, he said, I will now go turn and see why that bush is not being consumed. And when he approached it, the voice of the Lord spoke out of that bush and it said, Moses, Moses. And, and Moses said, here I am. Aren't we grateful to God? And I know the nation of Israel is grateful that Moses said, here I am. I'm listening and I'll do what you tell me to do. Isaiah chapter 65, listen to this, verse 1. This is the Lord speaking. He says, I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. See, what happened, the, he's speaking of the rebellion of Israel. In the very next verse, he talks about, I've, I've offered my hand continually to a people who would not take from me, who would not receive me. So now I'm saying to the rest of the world, here I am. Those who aren't seeking him, those that aren't looking for him, found him. Why? Because he put himself in a place to say, here I am. Wasn't that what God was doing in Christ? When the word became flesh and dwelt among us, wasn't that God saying to us, here I am, here I am. Anybody who will believe on me, anybody who will put their trust in me, will have everlasting life. Hallelujah. You can have that exchange. Here I am. I'm here to give it to you. I'm here to listen to you. Thank God. Now we have a high priest who can sympathize with everything that we go through because he walked the same walk you did. Here I am. Here I am. It was what Isaiah said to the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6 when God said, who's going to go for us? Who's going to speak for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Here I am. What made these people, people worth talking about and writing about in the Scripture that separates them from everyone else were people who were just willing to say, here I am. Hmm? That's what God needs. He's just looking for somebody to say, I'll do what you say. I'll hear you, and I'll do what you tell me to do, Lord. I want to live the extraordinary life, and I can't do that without you. I don't want ordinary. Look at verse 14. Then he said to him, verse, I'm sorry, uh, where are we? Genesis 37. Everybody okay? He said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. Uh, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them in, in Dothan or Dothan. So this is interesting, isn't it? Joseph has done what his father told him to do. His father told him to go to Shechem. He goes there. His brothers aren't there. Now, couldn't Joseph rightly just go back home and say, Dad, I went to Shechem. They weren't there. Didn't he do what his dad told him to do? But Joseph didn't do that. Knowing what he was going to be facing anyway, knowing the kind of ridicule he would be facing, knowing the kind of hatred he was going to endure, he pressed on. He was wandering around the field, couldn't find him anywhere. Finally, this guy's like, what are you doing? He's out there in that royal robe of his. Something does, something doesn't match here. All right? So he says they're up in Dothan. Now, let me just tell you that Dothan is like 13 miles from Shechem. 
That's a long way. That's half a marathon. All right? Why is he going to go through all that trouble? Because Joseph said, here I am. And the guy who says, here I am, is the one that's going to finish the job. They're going to do what they say they're going to do. 13 miles. So he didn't, he didn't begin to reason within his own heart, telling himself that he had already done more than enough. He didn't do anything like more than his share. Uh, instead of heading home, he stays on the quest to look for his brothers. I want to encourage you tonight to not quit too soon. Don't quit too soon. That when God speaks to you and you begin to follow His voice and things don't look like you think they're going to look, don't quit. Don't quit. The job's not done yet. He who started will finish it. All right? If God's telling you something, He's, he's leading you somewhere, go where He's leading you. All right? Because you'll find, I'm, I know I'm, I'm in good company here tonight, that you've had enough experience with God that when He says something, you automatically get a word picture, right? You get a picture in your head of what that looks like. Or, or you start to reason out how you think it's going to go. And how many of you found out it's never like that? Ever. It's never like that. God doesn't work like that. And so you just have to trust Him and say, here I am. I'll do what you tell me to do. This was the attitude of Joseph. And you'll find out through his whole life that Joseph had this theme. And that is what kept, that's what separated Joseph from everybody else. No matter what situation he found himself in, he always rose to the top in that situation. Because he put himself in a position to hear the Lord and to do what the Lord told him. You'll see this throughout his entire life. And this is why one quarter of Genesis is dedicated to his life. Above everybody else, more is written on Joseph than anyone. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Joseph gets most of the book. Something spectacular about his life. And so I want to encourage you this week to, to spend some time in these chapters in Genesis. Uh, start here in verse, uh, chapter 37 and just read through. Just get familiar with this story and ask the Lord to show you something. Of course, I'm going to be teaching you over the next couple of weeks uh, the rest of his life here. But just, just pray and just look into his life and find, you'll find this commonality in his life. One, that he was the here I am kind of guy, but also you'll see this over and over again. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. All right? So the, Joseph positioned himself in that place to be a willing vessel for God, and God put himself in the place to show Joseph what he could do with him, what a life with God looks like. Amen. And no matter where he found himself, and I'm, I'm going to encourage you here, no matter where you find yourself in life, you might not be in a place where you want to be, whether that's in a, a certain relationship, and the, the house that you have, or the car that you drive, or the place that you work, whatever it might be. I'm here to tell you, God is with you in that place, and He'll restore, He'll heal, he'll, He will exalt you in that very place. When you think there's no place for you here, there's no hope, there's no, there's no future here, God can show you something marvelous. Yeah. Remember what we started praying at the very beginning of the year out of Jeremiah chapter 33, 3. 
Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Amen. Let's just let's stand for a moment. Father, we, we, we thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for what you've, you're showing us, God, through this, just this life here, the life of Joseph, God, one who had set himself in a position to say, here I am. Tonight, Lord, we take this moment to say to you, here I am. Forgive us for running and hiding. Forgive us for trying to drown out with noise, the noise of life, God. Help us, Lord, to remember who we are, that we are yours. Our life is not our own. It is yours. And Lord, you're speaking to us because you have a, you've got a great purpose for us, God. Not only for our own lives, but God, you need us to help other people. You love the world, you love mankind, and you've put us here in this time to love us and to show your love through us to other people. So that others may see the light, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, God. That you've put us in the place where we are, and that you can use us where we are right now. The people that, are, that we're surrounded with, Lord, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You've put us there to be a mouthpiece of your goodness, to be an expression of your grace and your mercy and your love. So, Lord, we willingly say tonight, here I am, God. Use me. Send me. Speak through me. Speak to me. Speak through me. I will do what you tell me to do. I, I, I surrender to you tonight. I don't want to live my life for myself. I owe everything I have to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this gift of life that we have. The breath that we breathe is a, is a gift from you. Over and over and over again. And when we wake up in the morning, your mercies are new for us there. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to be determined to not let this world persuade us from this place, from our stance of here I am, God. I'm going to follow you, and I'm not quitting. I'm not going to quit too soon. The Scripture says, don't grow weary in doing good and due season. You will reap if you don't lose heart, if you don't faint. Don't grow weary. How do you not grow weary? How do you not grow weary? I mean, good grief. Seems like that's what we do on a daily basis is grow weary. You've got to see beyond this flesh here. Don't grow weary in doing good. See, keep thinking about what's ahead, that future and that hope. Understand that today is a day of seed sowing. Tomorrow is a day of harvest. Don't grow weary. That harvest is coming. That which you've sown, that which you've labored in will produce for you. Just don't quit. Don't quit. Anybody can quit. Huh? Don't be anybody. Don't quit. Hold on. Your Father in heaven is watching over His Word to perform it on your behalf. His promise is your reality. Hallelujah. Believe it. And imitate those who through faith and patience inherit that promise. They obtain it. They live in it. Thank you, Father, right now for refreshing minds and hearts and lives right now. I pray, Lord, just for fresh wind in their sails tonight. 
Lord, that your joy unspeakable and full of glory would bubble up in them, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that your word says your joy is our strength. The way that you don't grow weary is to open your mouth and praise your God. Open your mouth and give thanks to him. Strengthen yourself in faith, giving glory to him, even as Abraham did. Talk about growing weary. This guy was 100 years old when it all started for him. Huh? Lived to be 175, though. Why? Because he decided he would be strengthened in faith. You can strengthen yourself in faith. How? Giving glory to God. That is saying what God has said to you. Declaring his promise over your life. Declaring his word. Don't, don't give up on it. Trust him. Believe him. He is faithful who promised. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, I thank you that you bless your people in their going out just like they've been blessed in their coming in. Lord, though their enemy comes at them one way, he has to flee in seven because, God, they are blessed in everything that they do. Everywhere they go, they're blessed and everything their hand touches shall prosper, God. They are the favored of God. Hallelujah. And, Lord, there's nothing anybody can do about it. You have blessed them and it cannot be reversed. And I thank you that they go in your blessing. They go in your power. They go in your strength. They go in your might. As the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's what gives me strength, knowing that I can do all things through Him. I thank you, Lord, that you are their help in a very present, time, a very present help in time of need, Lord. I thank you, God, that your people go, Lord, in the grace of God, in the peace of God. Thank you, Father God, that you bless them. You bless their children. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. And they will tonight both lie down and in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.